how good he's not in here yet. I'm Randall Parker. I've just broken into Gav Smith's house to let you know about my podcast, Randall Parker's Film Club, presented by me, Randall Parker. Every week I'll be reviewing two films from a list of the greatest films of all time, and along the way we'll have a bit of fun. So far, I've locked my mum in a cupboard, witnessed a drug dealer shooting a teacher, started a feud with a fellow podcaster and had an episode sponsored by the local prostitute. Oh, there's a fiver there. Don't mind if I do. So join me, Randall Parker, on Randall Parker's Film Club every Monday for fun and film reviews. I'd best bugger off now before he comes back. Poor Gav, he's got to do his podcast without floating around in here. Hello and welcome once again to the My Favourite Film Podcast with me, your host, Gav Smith. This week I talked to Rich Hayes about his favourite film, Brazil, from 1985, directed by Terry Gilliam. Before we get into all of that chat, the usual stuff... If you want to get in touch with me here at the podcast, give me some feedback about the films we've looked at so far. Or if you want to get involved with the podcast, be a guest here on the podcast and talk about your favourite film, the email address is myfavouritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. you want to catch up with me on Twitter, it's at myfavouritefilm. If you want to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review, it's those five-star rating reviews that really help to get this podcast found by other people. Right. Let's have my chat with Rich Hayes. It is a spoiler-filled chat, as per usual, where we deep dive into 1985's Brazil. Do you wake from your finest fantasy only to return to your daily nightmare? Is your mother about to look younger than you do. Does the woman of your dreams... I love you. In my dreams, I love you. ...still have a few doubts? Then it's time to take a stand. To break out of your dull, humdrum life and into Brazil. You're so pleased you could make it. Wait this way. Hello, Richard. How Hello, are you? Hello, Gav. How are you? Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's absolutely fine. I'm very absolutely excited fine. to talk about Brazil. I'm not surprised. Because <laughs> it is your favourite film. It is my absolute favourite film of all time. Fantastic. So can I ask then, why is it your favourite film? It is my favourite film because I was... At that at the age where when it came out just before 1984, of course, mm. um, I was at that age where I just started thinking about things a bit more and mm. not just watching films on face value and 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 kind of just being a bit more analytical, I suppose, mm. about something and and just just making you think about things. And Brazil is one of those films that you can really immerse yourselves in and it just has so many different um so many different kind of angles i suppose that you can yeah. think about everything in it in loads of different ways um yeah. and it's in the right it's it's my favorite genre of science fiction one of my other favorite films is is blade runner yep another fantastic science fiction film 
and I, I love films that kind of immerse you in that in that kind of atmosphere in in generating something totally otherworldly yeah very similar films in a certain way different but similar there's still the, that dystopian world that they both build Absolutely, yeah. around their characters and the big yeah, skyscrapers yeah. and whatever else yeah Blade Runner's a bit darker but I think Blade Runner's Blade Runner's a bit more well, we say adult but it's a bit more kind of yeah, um, I don't I don't know really Blade Blade Runner is a, is is a great film but yep. It's a bit more on the surface. It's a bit easier to kind of work out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that's probably to do with the director, isn't it? I mean, Gilliam, is, he's a complicated character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's coming at this... He must definitely still have his Monty Python head on. Yeah. Because there's some scenes in this that are just so Python. <laughs> um, I think you could take certain parts of this out, some of these sort of horrific moments, and you yeah. could almost have a Monty Python film. Yeah. If the person into song at some point, it could definitely be there. Absolutely. there's elements of it yeah oh absolutely yeah and and you can see I mean obviously he was the one that did all of the um, um, the, the animations yeah. and things with Monty Python yeah. and you can see in some of the dream sequences well, I was going to say you can literally see how that or you know that yeah. could be actually yeah. an animation well even at the start where the central services logo comes up it, it's a Gilliam animation. Yes. You can tell the style yes. of it. It's yes. totally his animation style. Absolutely, yeah. Everything Absolutely. to do with Monty Python. So. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a child. I mean, I'm, I grew up with Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. And You've had uh, many conversations <laughs> with Monty Python through the years. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> When yes. we shared an office. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's a Monty Python-esque thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, um, and, of course, um, he, he um, kind of... Drew on everything that he did in Monty yeah. Python for the for the kind of more darker comedic aspects of the film. Yeah, um, and, you know, and Michael Palin, of course, yes, yeah. was was quite a big character in in Brazil yeah. and yeah. Uh, and uh, excellent, I have to say. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's first real acting, proper acting uh, job, I think, after not, Monty Python. Did they not do Jabberwocky together beforehand? No. Yes, they did. The Jabberwocky did before this. Uh, so Jabberwocky was. I've got on here. Look. 1977, the Jaguar. Oh, did they? Is that right? was obviously in that. Wow. Yes, of course. Yeah. So they went from. Well, this is, of course, this Brazil is part of a of a trilogy, isn't it? Is it? It's a well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Go on. It's a part. It's a part of the kind of imagination trilogy, isn't it? It's um, when Gillian was talking about the film. There, there were th- there were three films, weren't there? There was. Uh, well, gosh, now now you're really. Do you, now you, <laughs> he, did, he did Jabberwocky, yeah. then Time Bandits. Right. Then Brazil. Yes. Then Baron Munchausen. Right. So Time Bandits. Yeah. Brazil and Baron Munchausen are his imagination trilogy. Are they? Where Time Bandits is um, a film about escaping reality through the eyes of a child. Right. Brazil is escaping reality through the eyes of a middle-aged man. Yeah. And Munchausen from an old man. Mm. And there's these kind of three different uh, angles, I okay. suppose, on the same theme. Okay. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise yeah. he thought that that way. Yeah, that's that. well, yeah. It's been implicated in, in another slight trilogy as well for different reasons. But this right. is the one that he says is 
it's this escape, mm. this the the kind of theme of escaping through through imagination, which is mm. basically what happens in Brazil. It's that's, yeah, of course, so yeah, that's yeah. the denouement, isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, the ending is it's ah. his his Sam Lowry's final escape. Yeah, really. Yeah, so. it is very much. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell you what then, because um, it it can you because I couldn't first time I watched it. Can you actually explain what it's about? Can you um, have a brief plot synopsis, basically, trying to explain brief, it? Okay, so... Because I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the main character, the hero, if you like, is Sam Lowry, who is uh, a dreamer. And Sam has a, a slightly more powerful, rich mother who managed to, manages to get him a job in the Ministry of Information, which is the most kind of mundane... Mm. Uh, autocratic mm. bureaucratic job that you could possibly have and Sam dreams of an escape okay he dreams of an escape with a beautiful woman <laughs> so Fair you know it's a, it's a very common film theme I suppose mm, it is yeah, yeah. Um, and per chance by chance a fly is literally inserted <laughs> into the oil, into the ointment. Um, um, somebody swats a fly, the dead fly lands in a, in a teleprinter machine, yep. and instead of printing Tuttle, it prints Buttle. Okay? So uh, uh, what, what happens then is a roller coaster ride of uh, imagination and things that you think are happening but are not happening and things that are not happening but are happening and yeah, yeah. and it's and it is a total kind of you know uh mishmash of of, of things and the, and the story basically is is Sam Lowry's escape from the the humdrum life um and he meets a girl and dreams of flying away yeah, as a as a kind of an angel, really. Yeah, uh, to, to to out of this kind of nightmarish scenario. Yeah, fair enough. Of how he founds himself, and it and <laughs> you know, there's obviously different characters coming in and and to support that kind of narrative, um, including the real Mister Tuttle, of course, which is famously Robert De Niro, yep. who appears as a as a heating engineer. <laughs> yeah it's almost like Super Mario on speed you know it's uh... it, yeah he definitely is yeah yeah he's a he's a, he's a terrorist he is heating engineer though isn't he he I is suppose. absolutely because he's not supposed to be an heating engineer <laughs> bizarre terrorist he used to work he used to work as a as a proper you know state sponsored yep. heating engineer but he was thrown out and now he is basically a uh, yeah, a ter- terrorist engineer who uh, with gun and balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. he he is the foil, I suppose, in mm. in a way to mm. to the plot. He's kind of what what adds the 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 drama, the drama, and the and the little bit of kind of danger to, to yeah. everything that's happening. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, talking of dinner then, because uh, there's loads of cameos in this. It was your favourite cameo because we've got. Hoskins, <laughs> there's Michael Palin, obviously, but not really a cameo because he's a major character. But he is really, yeah, yeah. 
Is there a favourite cameo I mean, character? I, I that love Bob, Bob Boskins because because he is playing Super Mario in this. Oh well, <laughs> well he is, I suppose. Did that later though? I mean, I mean, as you can see from the the front of the DVD, Bob Boskins oh, yeah. gets top billing, he even does. though it's a tiny cameo. Really, it is um, really tiny part. But yeah. I guess it was depending on the date up. of that video, that DVD release, Bob Boskins could have been just major star at that point, so they put him on the top. Yeah, he was a big star. I think yeah. he'd just done um, Mona Lisa, hadn't he? Yeah. So yeah. It was a re- he was a he big was star at the time. At the time yeah. He was huge. He was as big as Robert De Niro yeah. at the time. Yeah, probably was at the time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly from a British point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the whole cast is a, is a plethora oh. of, of, of British yeah. acting talent. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you've got incredible talent there. Yeah. Um, I quite like um, um, the... Uh, what's his name? Ian Richardson, who is the, who is one of the kind of um, information yes. people. Uh, yeah, they're like a bot. He was Sam Larry's boss, and, yeah. and just the the, the kind of <laughs> deadpan way that he, you know, he, everything is by the book, and that, yeah. that was a really nice cameo yeah. as well, actually. Yeah, I, I quite liked um, uh, Gordon Kay popping up. Oh yes, Malolo, yes, popping up at the uh, as the. I can't remember what role is. He's he's on one of the. Um, Desks, isn't he? He helps out. Oh, uh, gonna forget her name. The the main girl in it, whose name has gone from my head. All of a sudden, the girl that Sam's actually dreaming about. He helps her to find to try and get Jill. 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 Yes, yeah, Jill. Jill. Yeah, that was gone. Yeah, to get Bottle out of yeah. prison. Yes, she's giving her the right forms, or not giving her the right forms because she hasn't got the right form. Because <laughs> it's all about forms in this. It's all about it's all about information. Yeah. Well, that's that's of course the the mix up between the bottle and the tuttle. Yeah. Is how Sam eventually actually meets Jill. Yeah. Because he's trying to return the the the, the fee, the check, <laughs> the check. Yeah. That was incorrectly assigned to Buttle, <laughs> who of course instead of Tuttle kidnapped and killed, of course. Yeah. Um, Instead of Tuttle, so and that's how he met her because she's actually the neighbour yes. of Mrs. Tuttle, Buttle, Buttle, <laughs> not Tuttle, Buttle. It's very confusing. Oh, it is very, very confusing. confusing. Yes, Buttle. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're talking about um, you talked just briefly about trilogies there. When I watched this, I actually wondered if it was a sort of spiritual prequel to Twelve Monkeys. Have you seen Twelve Monkeys? Yes, I have. If you look at the way the tech is yes. in 12 Monkeys, I know 12 Monkeys is all supposed to be underground because there's yeah. been an apocalypse, but if you took everyone from that world that he's created here and stuck them underground, they'd have the same technology. The tech in it is, is so similar. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, well, the 12 Monkeys has been implicated in, oh, in, in that same... In, in that same... In a different trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's more game trilogies. <laughs> And um, I think, yeah, they're definitely two different trilogies. Right. Um, and I'm just having a quick look to see if I can think of the films. All right. That, that see, these... I even spot, because Simon Jones obviously appears in this as um, the arresting officer. He arrests Buttle. Right, But he's yeah. one of the leaders of the groups in 12 Monkeys. Oh, is that right? So really odd that he would go from... He could obviously be, he's an official in one, and then later on in life he becomes a, a leading politician. It, it, it sort of 
fits from that point of view. Yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm speculating because I don't know. It's just it was odd that that sort of link was there. And well, I guess that's in, just Gilliam in, like the Yeah, in the late 10s, in 2013, Gilliam um, kind of implicated Brazil in a, <laughs> is what he called a dystopian satire trilogy. Mm. Um, it, and, it, and the Brazil was the first instalment, and 12 Monkeys the second, mm. and Zero Theorem was the, was the third. Mm. So there's also so there's there's the the, the imagination trilogy mm. of the the time bandits and Brazil and Munchausen and then there's the <laughs> dystopian satire trilogy <laughs> which uh, <laughs> so it's kind of I mean all I of know. these films are very kind mm. of you know linked and th- the thread of it they are, you yeah. know, even yeah. things like the Fisher King was very you know yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah indecipherable really yeah. in a way <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> but, of this that's indecipherable there's a lot of Really comic elements in it as well, yeah. Which must come from his time with Monty Python that he's got a he's got a lot of comic bones to him. He's a funny oh, guy, absolutely, so. yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no funny doubt. I mean, it's not it's not laugh out loud hilarious, you know. It's not laugh out loud. Funny, no, but, no, but some, you, so much really shocking. Yeah, there's yeah. Well, God, yeah. yeah. Proper violence and whatever <laughs> else in it, but there's some elements that are just just silly for the sake of being silly. Yeah. There's a great well, bit with them. Um, Ah, he comes out of Michael Palin's office, and the next customer, as they call them, is coming along the corridor. He's got the bag over his yeah, head, yeah, so he obviously yeah. can't see. Yeah. And he's got two guards behind him, and he goes, he runs away from them. And the guards say, oh, just, just leave him, he can't get far. And he then basically pinballs off all the walls, because he runs into the walls because he can't <laughs> see. And I just thought, that's just so, such a Python-type thing. Yeah. You could see them doing the same type of sketch, where someone escapes with a bag on their head, and they just run into a wall, because it just that's what would happen, because he can't see. <laughs> I, just I, I think I think there's also a couple of, of bits in the film where he, he kind of does a little bit of a nod to to kind of British comedy films in general. Yeah, probably. So yeah. For example, there's a scene where there's a, a terrorist bomb in the cafe. Yeah. And it, you know they're they're having tea with he's you know um, Sam's having tea with his mum and you know her mum's friend. <laughs> and there's a terrorist there's a terrorist bomb yes and it blows up and they carry on and they ca- they ca- they carry on as though like nothing's happening even though Sam's a bit like you know looking well, around because Sam then says it's not rare this stick <laughs> it's like there's just been a bomb everyone's died and he's, yeah. his first worry is the fact that the stick he's ordered wasn't rare <laughs> I, I that when I first saw that, or not first saw that, but certainly when I saw that again later on, I thought of the classic "Carry On Up the Kyber" scene, yeah, where you know the the British Raj are in they're in their fortress compound being attacked, and there's bombs coming through the windows, yeah. and they're all having tiffin, you know, and just and and it, it there's a few kind of little nods. I it's think the to, British way, though, isn't it? It's the, <laughs> the stiff upper lip, keep going, carry on, all that type yes, of thing. Yes, absolutely, it's the same yeah. thing that. Spouting since the war days, that's yeah. come back on all sorts of t-shirts and tea towels <laughs> nowadays. Whatever it is, keep going and carry on. Yeah. So, should we go through the film then? Should we start at the start and kind of work our way through? Okay. The scenes. Yeah. See how well you can remember it now. Well, my word. Oh, now my I'm going to really struggle now. Yeah. Aren't I? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm getting, do you want, do you want stuff for that there? Yeah. So it starts off. Um, big sprawling city you see all the signs of the city and everything and you kind of zoom down through the streets to a little tv rental or a little tv shop yeah and the central services logo as i said comes up on it and it's very gilliam type thing 
and they start trying to sell us ducts. <laughs> New ducts, better than the old ducts, which, yeah. again, if, if that wasn't a Python sketch at some point, it should have been, because it was just hilarious that they would sort of go from these lovely metal ones to ones with wallpaper on them, and they look like this, and they'll fit in your room properly, you can hide these ducts, it'd be great. <laughs> um, but then there's a big explosion. Uh, I think, is that where the big explosion comes in? No, you think? Yeah, the helpman, who's the deputy minister, starts talking and he has an interview. Mm. And they start talking to him about, you know, terrorist attacks and whatever else and how it's not that bad. Um, and then it cuts to your... The, the fly. The, the fly. The fly, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 fly, the, the swatting fly, which is just, yeah. again, really silly. Because yeah. he ends up standing... He just gets more and more things to stand up on top of to swap the fly because it's on the <laughs> ceiling. And I think it ends with him standing on top of like a, a four-drawer filing cabinet that he's piled on top of his desk, which is piled on top of some books. Yeah. Then he swats the beetle, yeah. which falls into the machinery. Which again is that same thing as said in 12 Monkeys. It's that old tech that's kind of supposed to be new tech. But I guess for the time it was probably the right sort of level of tech. Yeah. But yeah, they're see. trying to do a future world, but they've kind of made it look old new yeah. kind of used well, I think I think Gilliam I think Gilliam never intended it for it the film to be set in the future he never intended it to be futuristic alright okay he always he, I think he always thought well it's 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 now it's something that could ha- could be now right okay yeah um, so the tech is never really futuristic it's you know it, it was mm-hmm. you know even in the 1984 you, you know you had computers and screens yeah and, and obviously, he wanted to kind of build that future bit in and the past bit in, but he he was he never, you know, because because he was so kind of um, moved by the the, 19, the actual nineteen eighty four, you know, the all. all I was going to say, yeah, was there some of that in yeah, it? Yeah, he he wanted it to be now. He wanted it to be nineteen eighty four. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in fact, he wanted to call the film 1984 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, another one. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not a film that's, although it's, it's science fiction, it's not a film that's set in the future. Right, so it's set in, in, in or around Orwell's 1984. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of, like, Big Brother is watching you, yeah, but he's they're not quite inspiration as, from that. Yeah. But I don't think he ever envisaged that it was set in the future as such. It's right. more okay. something that could be happening now. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the tech kind of would fit for 1984. That that would be the type of tech they were using. Yeah. There but was, then that you can see them that they're on like t- almost Yeah, like it's a manual typewriter but like, with a screen on it. With <laughs> yes. a, a magnifying glass in front of a tiny little screen to make yeah. it bigger. Which yeah, is yeah. very clever. But again, it looks like that sort of reused technology. And mm. it's the same technology then pops up in... 12 Monkeys, mm. when they're in the future, that's what you see. You see mm. kind of manual typewriters with screens yeah. on them and things like that, rather than well, the I tech mean, that we had in the 2000s. Um, I mean, the, his films, Brazil, and, and as you say, 12 Monkeys, it, 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 it's, uh, it definitely inspires the, the kind of, um, the modern kind of steampunk. Yeah. You know, yeah, genre. So, yeah. kind of, yeah. That kind of genre of, of, you know, people look to those kinds of films yeah, to yeah. inspire them, you know, what they wear and how yeah. they, you know, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't thought about that point. Yeah, 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 there definitely. is a lot of that in it, yeah. 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 Kind of mix of a yeah, mix of different genres yeah, going on, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of like vintage but sci fi. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I guess steam- is what the steampunk it is, basically. movement is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's taking old old stuff and making it futuristic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> the, the the beetle, as you said in your little introduction, falls down and changes the T to a B. Yes. Um, because all the T's are being printed out. Yes. Every single name you see up until that point is a T name. Yes. And then that one bottle gets put in yeah. by accident with yeah. whatever it is he, he was supposed to do. And it then cuts back to the the interview with Helpman. And I think this is a good line. I'm sure I wrote it down. Because um, they ask him about the the bombings and how the bombing campaign that the terrorists are doing. And he says something like, yeah. Just beginner's luck, or something like that, right. be- before saying Merry Christmas. And we suddenly realised, actually, this is a Christmas film, which I hadn't realised. <laughs> I didn't realise it was a Christmas It's set at Christmas, he says Merry Christmas to you all. And, oh, because yeah, he then go went, to the, he goes Christmas shopping, you're right. Yeah, does, and you then yeah. go up to the, the, the Buttle household, and they have got a Christmas tree up, and they've got lights. Um, Do you know, and, I, never made, I never clicked. Yeah, well, Mrs. Buttle's telling a little girl a, a Christmassy story before bedtime. Well, Mr. Buttle's relaxing his chair. And again, in a very Python-esque house, yeah, household, yeah, you could actually yeah. imagine having the hanky on his head, Mr. Buttle, when they come in, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and if they had his, his wife played by a man, that would have made it absolutely perfect. Terry Jones couldn't do it, obviously, but you know. He's a very naughty boy. That would have been brilliant, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, so they cut to the Buttle household with the beautiful little story going on and mm. dad's obviously resting on the, the chair um, with the ministry information then break in yeah so they cut a massive hole in the, the roof drop down on fireman's pole that they've put in place yeah um, and arrest Mr. Buttle from the room above which is Jill's room exactly Jill lives above the Buttles yeah, that's right um, so the written way Simon Jones pops in with all his paperwork and makes Mrs Buttle sign for the arrest and gives her a receipt and takes his own receipt for arresting him yeah what that scene I mean they've obviously it's it's quite vicious in the way that it plays out although it mixes this sort of viciousness with a comic element because the way they cut a hole in the roof and drop down, and all of these guys to arrest one, one poor lowly yeah, bloke. Yeah, yeah. Even if it was Tuttle, they were arrested. I was going to say that he could have been a terrorist. That they well, were but he wasn't because if it was Tuttle, he was—he's a heating engineer. <laughs> he's not exactly a dangerous guy. <laughs> so even if they were arresting Tuttle, he yeah. would have just been a heating engineer sitting in that room on his own. Whereas actually they've come in with quite a lot of force to arrest one person. And there's yeah. there's a lot of men with guns. Um, and the bag them. And it's the bagging thing that I think is quite... Oh, it's quite cold, isn't it? It's yeah. quite severe. It's Stick this bag over yeah. their heads that goes right down to like their knees. Strap them in. Yeah. And drag them out of the, the house right in front of his, his wife and child. Yeah. Another child who comes running screaming trying to get his, his dad away. What do you think of that that sort of scene in the... What, well, I think it's it's all part of setting the tone yep. of the film. It's 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 a br- it's a br- it's a brutal society, you yep. know. It, it's and again, Gilliam is is very clear that he didn't he didn't set it as a as a kind of a, a right wing fascist Nazi thing or no. or a or a cold calculated communist, you know, a, a Russian kind of communist no. state. No, it's it, just. It was, a- it was very much a kind of a mash-up of everything. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, or, or authoritarian, which is clearly the kind of stuff that he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, it must know, be. Yeah, yeah. Paperwork. He doesn't like it. Yeah, he doesn't like paperwork, and, oh, yeah. he, and he doesn't like kind of cold-hearted authorita- authoritarian. You know. Yeah, because he's he's famously a rule breaker. I mean, even this film, he he put it into can so it could get final cut. Yeah, the studio wanted their final cut, yeah. right? so he put it into can before they got a chance. The Cannes Film Festival loved it. Yeah. So it's obviously, well, that's the cut that's going to have to go out because that's what can look. Yeah. So. Well, it, I mean, it was awarded uh, the Best Film of the Year award before it was even released. Yeah. Because he, he'd done that. He yeah. had, I mean, he'd, he'd actually gone to several universities and went on to, um, on to the, the filmmakers' courses and showed yeah. them to the students. Yeah. Showed the final film. It was only supposed to show excerpts of it. But he <laughs> showed, showed the whole, whole thing. <laughs> And they loved it, of course. Well, yeah, they loved wouldn't. it, and that was it. The, the the studio had to back down. Yeah. But the studio wanted a, a happy ending, of course. Of course, it is. Yeah. Which did they get? Well, no. I mean, they yeah. got they got Gilliam's ending. Yeah. It's for, yeah. Sorry, actually, yeah. Because that's when you actually see Gilliam's ending on there. It's it, happy until that point, isn't it? <laughs> well, we'll yeah, get into that later. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the ending later. Yeah, because that's obviously the the, the ending is is part of the. The mystery of the film. It is, the, yes. Yeah. It is, yeah. So anyway... What elevates it, maybe. Because yeah, you then yeah. counterpose that violence with another bit of comedy. Because the two guys from um, the Ministry of Works pop up in Jill's room to fill the hole up that obviously yeah. the Ministry of Information have cut in there. <laughs> they get shot at a little bit. And they go, hey, the Ministry of Works here. But they've got a plug exactly. that's exactly the right size for the hole, except... <laughs> They've gone back to metric, haven't they? <laughs> the plug <laughs> falls through the roof <laughs> and straight through and straight down into the, the room below. Yeah. Um, which just, like I say, just adds that counterpose of the violence and viciousness to suddenly yeah. it's comedy again. Um, and and the kind of, yeah, almost kind of the ineptitude of it all. Yeah. It's, it's you know, these kind of... Um, authoritarian states they're, they're, they're often just totally inept as well yeah. and you know they can't can't do anything yeah. right and obviously paperwork's not right because that hole is still in the ceiling <laughs> quite a long time later on when when Sam comes Sam back comes to actually visit yes. yes yes absolutely which is how we get to meet Jill in the first place because yeah. the hole is still there so maybe if, if they, the hole hadn't been the, yeah. the metric or the imperial, he wouldn't have met Jill. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, yeah. yeah, yeah it's it all, all links. It, it all links yeah. somewhere along the line. Yeah. Well, he's definitely sat down and oh, thought yeah, about yeah. it. Oh, right. Do you know, I think he probably has. <laughs> probably has. It then clicks to the records office, hmm. which is where Sam works for Mr. Gertzman, yeah. who's Ian Holm. Um, and it's all very busy and bustly there, and Mr. Gertzman's standing watching all his employees doing what they should be doing. Which is almost nothing. But well, yes. nothing but nothing, running around but, and looking yeah. really busy yeah. until he shuts his office door. Oh, and, and then start watching sat a film. And watch a film <laughs> yes. Which he can hear, and he opens the door, and the film disappears, and they're suddenly all back to being busy again. And yeah. They have that little joke happens three or four times before he finally calls Sam, because Sam hasn't turned up. Mm. And he rings him at home. Um, Sam's electricity's gone out, which is why his alarm hasn't gone off or anything like that. Wakes him and so Sam then says he's going to come in, which then shows all of the automation that his home has yeah. that obviously yeah. doesn't work because he's got his coffee machine that spills the coffee on the toast. The toast's burnt anyway. <laughs> um, 
can't remember what else goes what, on. His toilet doesn't flush. Yeah, his toilet doesn't flush. Yeah. <laughs> um, it puts sugar into his coffee cup, but nothing else. Yeah. Because he yeah, then yeah. takes a drink of his big thing of sugar and just spits it out because he's just taking a mouthful of sugar. Um, just nothing works in this home. And obviously the electrics must be going out. So there's mm. a lot of, um, I suppose, commenting on the fact that this is a world where things really don't work. That unless you're the real elite, like his mother, who we see later on, yeah. your home's just a, a complete mess. Yeah. And it's run by the central services and they come and fix what they want to fix when they want to fix it. Yeah, and, and not fix. And not fix, which we get to <laughs> a little bit later, yeah. Um, so Sam then goes along to the MIO, back to, to work, of the records office, which is in the Ministry of Information, mm. and meets uh, Sa- um, Michael Palin, his character, Jack. Yes, but they're all friends, aren't they? They are, they're all friends. Oh, are they? Well, uh, you, you they? have a feeling that they, yeah. they're family friends, maybe. Yeah, they talk they're about friends it. friends of his mother, and I think his, his mother seems to be this kind of character that has... Uh, you know, he's a very powerless. Yes. Sam is a very powerless character. Yes. His mum is the is the only kind of avenue he has yeah. to get any leverage over anything. I feel he's, he's, his dad must have been high up somewhere along the line. Possibly. possibly dad's passed on, and yeah. mum's then been left in whatever really powerful position. Yeah, which we'll talk about when we get there. Sam's <laughs> mum, because <laughs> she's an interesting character. Yeah, she, well, incredibly interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Michael Palin talks about um, the fact to be promoted again, um, and he's trying to ask Sam whether or not he's going to get promoted. There's loads of weird tech going on. They've got this weird robot in the foyer that there seems to be some guy controlling, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a couple of guys watching TV screens. But the, whatever the robot's seeing is being projected all over the place, mm. and it happens to focus on Jill, who's come in looking to try and save Mr. Buttle. Um, and Sam sees Jill in the TV in the screen. Yeah, okay. On the TV screen. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. oh, okay, we have missed that, actually, because he's already had it in between Kurtzman ringing Sam and Sam waking up. We had Sam's first dream sequence. Ah, uh, yeah. Where he's sawing in his wonderful armour. Yeah. With his metallic wings. <laughs> it's great. Like an angel. Like Absolutely. an angel, yeah. yeah. Um, and he obviously has the vision of this this woman with the long hair in yeah. some sort of net yeah. floating above the the ground. And, of course, that's Jill. So when he sees Jill on the screen, he has this flick of, is it or isn't it? Because she's got long hair in his dream, but not yeah. in real life. Yeah. Um, so he has to go and try and meet her, but he can't get to her at all. Um, she has her discussion then with whoever it is that's on the desk. I think it is Gordon Kay at that time. I think it probably is, actually. Yeah, yeah. who says, you haven't got the right paperwork. Yeah. I've been sent here by somebody else to get the right paperwork. No, you need this paperwork from here, and it's got to be stamped. And yeah. The whole <laughs> thing you were saying about authoritarian and, yeah. and paperwork and it just yeah. being a bit rubbish um, all goes on. Um, it then just flicks away from that. It doesn't give you any sort of resolution to what's going on there other than he can't get to Jill, and Jill can't get what she wants done. So we end up in the records office again. Right. With Kurtzman, um, who is explaining about the error, the Buttle-Tuttle error, and how they're going to try and fix it. Um, And asks him the leading question of, if you ever got promoted, what would you do? And Sam obviously loves his life of just being nothing. 
and just having nothing to do but being indispensable for doing nothing. So she says, ah, I would never leave here. Yeah. Which when he gets told he's actually got promotion, sought out by his mother and he goes, right. And off he goes to find his mother who's having plastic surgery. <laughs> for the 15th time. Um, for the 115th time. Jim Broadbent as a doctor. Oh, yes, of course. Another cameo. Just, yes, that's it. Yes. It's, the British actors just keep popping up on this one. But he's, fantastic, aren't He's they? stretching a face back. <laughs> just yeah that's the most surreal part of the I, film I, in a way isn't it gonna it's, say, yeah. it's almost surreal isn't it because he kind of lifts the face out and yeah. then back and almost wraps it around the back, the of, back her of her head, head yeah. yeah it's and, and then, then she, of course she's saying how fantastic it is and yeah. what, how brilliant he is and, yeah. and uh, he's painting lines on her face and I will do this here and this yeah. here I think he finishes it by wrapping her head in in plastic. Yes, he does. And spinning around to show Sam, look how beautiful she is. <laughs> just got a plastic bag on her face. I'm just trying to relax, Mrs. Lowry. Hmm? I'll make you 20 years younger. Ah! Oh, Dr. Jaffe, you are a genius. Would you like to be Surgeon General? I know simply everybody. Well, they won't know you when I've finished with you. Hmm. First, we remove the excess derma. So, now the flaccid tissues under the eyes, forehead, see? (laughs) Now, I lift the wrinkles and the worry lines right up into the wig, into the hairline. Now the template. There, now a bit sticky. And already she's twice as beautiful as she was before. Voila! Yeah. Of course, he's the plastic surgeon who does it with a knife. We later find out about the plastic surgeon who does it with acid as well. <laughs> and that doesn't go down well either, does it? We'll talk about that later. Um, but she just takes him from the doctor's office to go and have lunch with her friend mm. who is having plastic surgery with acid from the doctor who does it with acid. Um <laughs> But they go into the, the restaurant and the, it's another thing that just reminded me of Python because this is so meaning of life. The, the whole yeah, maitre d'. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He yeah, is, absolutely. If John Cleese had played him, it would have been the scene. It's from literally the another Wafferthin mint, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he does the whole false French accent and you know, you sit yeah. here and yeah. gives them the menus and whatever else, which are quite clever tech because they, they kind of light up and they've got a TV screen inside the menu. Yeah. It's almost like an iPad's been given to them yeah, with the screen yeah. in it. It's almost like you were seeing that oh, yeah, this might be something, but never really made anything <laughs> of it. Just it's a light up menu. Yeah. Um, but the the, the, the bit with Major was just the fact that he makes them order by numbers. It's like I'm going to have a number one or a number two. I recommend a number one to you today. <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, I'd have the number two. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Sam won't order by number. He just wants a rare steak. Yeah. You mean the number three? A rare stick. You mean the number three? <laughs> Forcing him to try and say the number three. But he doesn't, he won't say it. Yeah, yeah he's a bit of a rebel, isn't he, in a way? He is. He is yeah. There's certainly a... There's a bit of a rebellious streak in there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, but that's the whole thing of him being in the records office and quite happy in the records office. He, he's happy doing nothing. Yeah. He's happy with a life of just, I've got enough money to live. I've got a kind of job. 
I've got a bit of security and he doesn't want promotion. He doesn't want to go anywhere. No, certainly not within that. He, well, he wants to escape. He wants, he wants to, to escape, he, yeah. He wants to escape and fly off fly, into yeah. the sunset with, yeah. with a beautiful woman. Yeah. So for now, he'll just stick to <laughs> his mundane life. Well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which is, I suppose, rebelling against what his mother wants because his yeah. mother wants him to get promotion and go to the top of the Ministry of Information. And yes, absolutely. Do the tough job that Jack does. Which yeah. When we first meet Jack, we have no idea until a little bit later on. Yeah, no, yeah. we have no idea what he does. No, yeah. Yeah. no, very um, room 101, I guess it comes <laughs> back to that whole George Orwell thing. And yes, it absolutely, it does. Yeah, but we'll come to it. It does keep coming back to, yeah. to the kind of Orwellian yeah. 1984 I, and a half, isn't it? Yeah. I, I hadn't actually thought of it that way until you mentioned it just now, but now yeah. you've mentioned it, it's, it's stuck in my head, and yeah. I can see all the bits that are in there that. Very, Definitely. very there, yeah. Well, there's lots of little um, 1984 Easter yeah. like some of the forms yeah. are, 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 are the 1984 form, yeah. you know, like the the publishing date of 1984, and they turned yeah. all the numbers around, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that it's a, one of the forms is actually, you know, it's it, there's lots of kind of little Easter eggs encoded things yeah. to do with 1984 in there. I'll have to have a look into some of that. Yeah. Yeah, get myself down some sort of rabbit hole in there, finding <laughs> things that are Easter eggs in there. There's yeah. all sorts of little, yeah, little bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah but that the the whole restaurant scene is just that's absolutely bizarre because it's like why you're gonna have a conversation with your your son about this stuff? So why take him to a restaurant and have meat? But obviously, yeah, they're trying to fix him up with his mother's friend's daughter. Yes, um, of that's the, whole the point of, of it. Of course, it she is. Yeah, keeps yeah, going. Yeah. Not, not yet, dear. Not yet, dear. Yes, yes. When he gets his food, she then gives him the salt. It's like salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> she did. She some, she's got something, something in her mouth. I think there's kind of weird, kind of going on with her mouth. There was a brace or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she yeah. got braces on teeth, and it's kind of got something sticking out. Yeah, I couldn't work out what it was. It's all. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's but maybe that's the whole beautification thing again. You know, they all have to be perfect and yeah. they go through all sorts of means I mean they've all got bandages and whatever else on they to get them to where they're, they're going to look beautiful <laughs> apparently um, but even the food that they bring out it's oh, like it's, isn't it like mush isn't it pumps of ice cream <laughs> it looks like <laughs> half melted ice cream in big blobs but yeah. he seems to think it tastes of steak so although not rare because <laughs> <laughs> that's when we have another bombing scene yes the bomb goes off as yes. you were saying earlier yeah and they all just Go back into their just, business and just carry on. Carry on. And, yeah, I know. Well, it's like, just mayhem behind. Yeah, them. absolutely. Yeah. Everyone's dying and <laughs> limbs everywhere, but it's a building and nobody yeah. seems to care. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, he, he, and as you say, he, he complains, complains about the food. Um, and then they all blame Sam because they start, start talking about terrorists and he works for the Ministry of Information, so why why aren't you doing something about it? And he said, well, I don't work there, I work in records. Uh, yeah. Um, I think we flick back into a dream then, um, and there's slabs of earth flying up. Ah, the 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 is it the yeah, it's the apartment blocks kind of yeah pushing out. Of, yeah, yeah, he's flying again, and but then when he flies, and you can see them, yeah. yeah, you can see the yeah, girl yeah. in front of him again. But then these yeah. massive blocks start coming out of the ground, which yeah. again reminded me of meaning of life. Yes, absolutely. Start that, that the buildings absolutely. floating in the air at the very start. Well, they're, they're the things that are kind of coming up and blocking his way. Yeah, to yeah. Her, isn't it? That's Getting the thing, way, yeah. isn't it? They're, you know, they're, they're kind of monoliths. Yeah. And he, and he can't, he just can't kind of get to where, and he's kind of trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all very. Yeah. 
And he, disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> he wakes, he disturbing. wakes up because it's really, really hot because his air conditioning unit's gone down. Yeah. Which is when he then makes his phone calls to central services because it's an emergency and he needs someone to come out. And again, one of all those wonderful, funny things, the, the, record, the message from central services says, you know, I'm sorry we can't help you. This has not been a recording. <laughs> and then loops to say the same things as well. they've actually got someone sitting there saying these words <laughs> yes. and saying this is not a recording whereas we'd normally get this is a recorded message yeah yeah. just funny little things like that all the way through um, and this is where we meet Mr. Mr. Tuttle of course it is yes well he he goes back and has another part of the dream because he goes back to sleep after that but he goes to sleep in the fridge um, oh yes, he does. And you now right, see yes. the, the girl in the cage because she's been caged now. And there's these uh, creatures, yeah, people kind of shuffling, kind of shuffling, yeah, shuffling kind of, along. Yeah, and they've yeah. got a in a cage, and they're dragging that cage behind yes. them. Um, yeah, but all the blocks still get in the way. And then he wakes up in the fridge. I think you see the samurai for the first time at this point. Ah, I the think samurai. he pops up. But that's yeah. as much as you see of him. He's just like, it's there. And the cage is floating there behind them. And then he wakes up in the fridge and Mr. Yeah. Tuttle breaks in with his um, his gun. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, they were, they were going to have all, the whole dream sequence mm. at the beginning of the film. Mm. Um, but I think Gilliam realised that it would just be too much. Yeah, I it think would it would be been, too yeah. much, too much too soon. Yeah. So he decided that he would break it down into smaller pieces and and yeah. put them in, in in the right place within the film to yeah. kind of lead the narrative of, of the, the dream sequences and, and his, his you know, Sam's wish to fly, yeah. fly away and, yeah. and get out of the place. There's a lot of um, foreshadowing in the, the dream then, because if they had done that, there would have been some issues, because you see people from Sam's life that yeah. things happen to appear in the dream as time goes by, including the the baby face masks on some of those people that are on the ground, yes. which obviously we see later on with Michael Palin on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember if you actually see them on them. The dream sequence you see with those masks is before we see Palin with the mask on or not. Mm. But that would really give you a lot of information about what's going to go on, I suppose. It would, I guess it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe you want to do that. Plenty of films do, I suppose, give you all the information about what's going to happen in the film before. It yeah, because happens. you've got to be really switched on to understand if you if you watch that first yeah. film sequence to then work out what I mean. It, it would be really confusing. It would, yeah. Absolutely. It'd, be, it'd be very strange to watch it like that. Because, yeah. It's probably, it's probably for the best, I think. Yeah, it's probably best that he did cut it up in the way <laughs> that he did. Probably the best yeah. that he did chop it up a yeah. bit and you know, kind of splice the film with it to keep yeah. that. So we have our covert Mr. Tuttle. Covert AC yeah. operator fixer who comes in with his gun. Well, he does. He doesn't. He kind of uh, doesn't. He come down on a wire and yeah. and, and you know, just almost like comes out of nowhere and yeah. just kind of swings up over the balcony. And there he is, Mister Tuttle. Yeah, with his, with his gun to, to to check that he's not trying to trap him because he's yes. he's intercepted the call he's made to Central Services. Yes, um, but he's checking it's not a a hoax to try and trap him. Um. And whilst he's there fixing it, Bob Hoskins appears mm. with his sidekick, who I think is Nigel Planer. Neil from the Young Ones. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm sure know it is. I never knew that. I'm sure it is. Wow. 
I, I know, know he's that. in it, and I, I was trying to work out who he was, and I'm pretty sure that that's him. That's um, interesting. He doesn't say an awful lot. He just repeats things that Bob Hoskins says <laughs> in a different voice. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Yeah, good old Bob. Um, and then we jump. There's so many jumps in this. It, it, it's like you get lots and lots of very short scenes between things. It's like you've got a scene in his in the restaurant, then suddenly he's seen his house, then got a dream, back to the house, back to records, and there are lots of very short scenes all in lots and lots of different places. Mm. Have you got any sort of thoughts on what what's Gilliam trying to do with these short scenes that he's doing, or is it just to make it more confusing <laughs> than it already is? <laughs> I I don't really have an I don't really have an opinion on that actually I just I think maybe he was trying to keep keep the stories going in all the different kind of areas of what of just do you think he's got too many stories going on because I mean all the stuff with the with Tuttle actually and the AC and everything you could cut it all really it doesn't. Well, you could so you add could, anything you, you to the film. Definitely cut. You could definitely cut the Bob Hoskins. Yes, and that yeah. coming in. I think Tuttle is a bit more central than. Is be, he? Because yeah, because he he's he is the the renegade. He's the he is the one that's kind of you know he's a he's the leader of the of the rebels, if you like. You know, he's. But is he? Because before jumping ahead to the start, the end of the film, but. Tuttle comes and rescues Sam at the end of the film when he is under the knife from Michael Palin. Well, he, but he, that then takes you to the end of the film where he's under the knife from Michael Palin. Does any of that actually happen? Does that rescue no, no, happen? No, so absolutely not. Actually, Tuttle may not even exist. Well, no, I think Tuttle, Tuttle does exist, but I think he's just a renegade plumber. And he's nothing more than that. No, I don't think he. I don't think he actually is a you know part of the of the whoever uh, it is doing the bombings. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he he's in with that at all. I think right. he's literally just you know kind of doing his own little um... <laughs> fixing your air conditioning <laughs> units. Well, just yeah. he doesn't like the paperwork. <laughs> he's Terry Gilliam, isn't he? <laughs> just doing his own thing. Just yes, fixing doing his own can. thing, but. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's fighting against the system. Yeah, in his own way. Yeah, in the only way that he can. Yeah, by intercepting the calls and and you know fixing it properly. Yes. rather than doing a kind Don't of a hash know. job. Yeah, um, well, the way he fixes it is slightly bizarre. Cause he well, just, he fixes it. Well, he, yeah, but he, he does. just sticks something in the wall. <laughs> it seems to just magically fix it. But it does, though, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, then, then, then he, he does do something nasty to Bob. He does, he does, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll come back to. Yeah. I'm sure it will come yeah. back to that. But yeah. So I, I think, I think, yeah, I think he, he is central to, okay. to the. I think he is central to the story because that's because that is the fact the fact that Sam's fantasy of yeah of his is release it's it's almost supported by. Tuttle. Yeah, he almost sees him as a, yes. I guess, a, a role model type yes, thing, doesn't absolutely. he? Without Tuttle's renegade-ness, if that's yeah. even a word. I mean, he's almost in awe of him in yeah. a way, isn't he? Yeah, he, he just wants wow, to. Wow, yeah. you, you can actually, I mean, you've, you've, you know, you're totally ignoring all the forms all the and all the paperwork. And, and just doing it. just doing it. Yeah. And that's like, whoa. Yeah. 
which is great. Yes. Which is which is fueling all you know all of yeah. Sam's kind of Cause fantasy. He just, just wants to get out. Yeah, because he just yeah. wants to get out. Absolutely. Yeah. Goes oh. back to the records office where Ian Holm is explaining about how there's been the mix-up with Tottenham right. and Bottle. Okay. But how they've ended up with the cheque that has to go to Bottle. Right. To refund him, but they can't get it to Bottle because Bottle's dead. Right, so he and has to go to his widow. He goes to his widow, but then it comes whizzing back because his widow hasn't got a bank account. So, okay. Sam says, well, I'll take the cheque directly there yeah. and sort it because out. Because he's, the, the, Ian Holmes, the character, Ian, Ian Holmes' character is panicking because he yeah. does not know what to do with his yeah. cheque, does he? Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, so the fact that Sam offers to take it is, is for him, yeah. he's like, oh. But obviously it has to be signed by Ian Holmes' character. Right. Who's just smashed his hand on the desk because he's kind of got so excited he's broke his hand. <laughs> so Sam has to sign the back of the cheque instead. Mm. Oh, what's Kurtzman setting him up here? Because obviously they use this later on as falsifying records. Right. Do you think he was, do you think he was aware oh, well, of any I of don't it? think he... Or was it just he's so inept that... I th- I th- he probably just didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want his... his, his fingerprints on any of it at all yeah so we can he could have eventually turn around and say well it wasn't anything to do with me yeah it was all sam it was all sam yeah, yeah. so sam tries to give the check to bottle's widow mm. fails miserably and sees jill for the first time through the hole in the roof that we mentioned earlier um she i think she runs away then he runs outside and she comes past him in the in her Massive truck, His truck thing, yeah. Uh, which he tries desperately to get in, but can't. Mm. And finds his car has been burnt out. Yeah. He now goes back to the records office to find out who this Jill is. And when he puts her name in the computer system, it's all locked, and he needs level three access. Right. Which Kurtzman doesn't have, but he works out that he could have if he'd taken the promotion to the Ministry of Information level three. So he goes to his mum's party. Because he knows Helpman's going to be there, and Helpman obviously is the big chief, and he's the guy that's going to get him in the Ministry of Information. Mm, yeah, um, he's—I don't understand how—but the doorman at his mum's office don't actually know him because he gets arrested almost as soon as he comes through the, the door and gets a gun pushed in his face. Yes, and he so does, you can't yeah. come in here. Yeah, his mum kind of goes, "No, no, it's all right. He's, he's my son. <laughs> come in." <laughs> um, but he gets set up again with. The daughter, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he does. They try and do that before he can do that. Um, Oh, no, I have missed out a bit. He has a dream between... Between leaving Central Services... Sorry, between leaving the records office and the Singtel room. He has a dream. I I thought there was something there, which is when you first see the samurai. Ah, that's the the samurai, That's his dream where he sees the samurai, but he he fights against the samurai, and the mask of the samurai comes off, and it's actually him inside the samurai costume at that time, because that's in his dream. And the samurai, the the samurai, um, the face, Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the the baby face. Yes, it is. And it's also got the kind of angular bits around the outside, which look like the Ministry of Information building. Yeah, yes, yeah, that we see towards the end. Yes, yeah. There's lots in that. Lots of imagery associated with it. Yeah, Yeah, it's like and the fact that he's inside it, which is very Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Luke and Darth Vader's um, mask. But just trying to think, does this predate Empire Strikes Back? Uh, 83, 84 
can't think. Well, I can't. I think, think probably... it was eighty two, wasn't it? Yeah, it was eighty two. So it doesn't know. Yeah. I wonder if they. I wonder if he stole from that or whether. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, he probably didn't even see it. Um, so yeah, he has that dream. He has the fight against Samurai, and then he ends up in his mum's party, trying to be set up with the woman. But actually, we find out that she doesn't like him either. Mm. She doesn't want to be set up with him. No. So that's all alright. Um, he goes to find Mr. Helperman, who gives him his job at information retrieval. Yeah. Which is a big promotion for him. He gets to get level three access. Um, and then he turns up to there, which is a different building completely. Um, so he goes to information retrieval. And when he steps into the foyer, there's just no one there. Got apart from one guy behind the desk who just he gives mm. his name to him. It's like, yep. Up the 30th floor, off you go. And this is this is this is the the brilliant um, um, scene where the boss of information retrieval yeah. is is just basically walking the corridors, yeah. and all of his yes men are kind of coming in Jeez, and out. Him, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Throwing man. things in front yeah. of his face. Yes, yes. do that. With, yeah, yes. do that with that. And brilliant. Yeah, and because he when he gets up the room, he just hears them from somewhere, and you kind of hear a noise, and you see them <laughs> run past. And again, very Python style. Yeah, it's like yeah, you see yeah. something go past. What was that? And you see it again, and then suddenly they're all there. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Scene. That's when we get to his office, and you do the whole thing with <laughs> the fact that there's a hole in the between the two rooms, and the sh- he's sharing a desk with the guy in the room next door. Yeah. And as he pulls it one way, the guy next door pulls it the yeah, other way. And that, just, I think that's just oh, so brilliant. It is. It's brilliantly done because <laughs> he, he's you only see it from his side. Yeah. So you've just got him fighting against this desk that's slowly disappearing into the wall. But he goes next door. He does. To try and get his desk back. But the guy's apparently a whiz on computers and tries to find the information. Um, and says to him, you know, yeah, you go back to your room and I'll, I'll get the information as soon as I can. Which sends him up to Officer 412L in room 5001. <laughs> 5001 rather than room 101. Five thousand and one. Not the room one, but it's mm. on the fiftieth floor. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, there must be a link there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So he finds out that obviously, um, well, then there's the grip of the secretary because the secretary is, she's got her big headphones on, she's typing away, um, and he can't hear what's going on. But he looks over at the typewriter and it's basically like, ah, oh no, stop it, don't do that again. <laughs> ah, I'll tell you. She takes her earphones away, and that's exactly what's coming through. She's she's transcribing all the screaming that's going on in the room. (laughs) No, Um, that's quite funny. She sends him in to see Jack. Well, actually, sends him in to see Officer Four One Two L, who happens to be Jack, and who's brought his daughter Holly. Although he keeps calling (laughs) her different names. Spring your daughter today to work day. The wife's got the twins, I've got the triplet. Because <laughs> his wife's taken the, the twins off to do some shopping and he's been left with the triplet because there's three of them now. Which I think they do they say earlier because Sam says something about, oh, I haven't seen the twins for ages. Oh, it's triplets now. So I don't know if there's something uh, yeah, <laughs> in yeah, sort of yeah. genetic yeah. stuff that they didn't put in there later on, but... A bit weird. weird it is a bit seeing. weird whether whether they they they're actually um, uh, duplicating, yeah, rather than actually, yeah, because it's not <laughs> it's mating. not it's not really dwelled upon. It's just an offhand yeah. comment of yeah, 
Yeah, I'm seeing Prince Regent. It's just another part of the kind of you yeah. know the weaving of the of the narrative, isn't it? Of, yeah. Of the kind of dystopianness of a, of society. Yeah. You know what's what's really going on in the background. So um, yeah. he manages to convince Jack to hand over Jill's files to him. So he goes to try and find Jill. Um, and as he goes down the ground floor, he's got Jill, the paperwork for Jill in his hand. And he sees Jill in reception because she's mm. come now looking. Because I think she's been sent there because every, all inquiries about her are to go to Jack's character, or Michael Pillen's character, Jack. Mm. Um, so he sees her, but he can't get onto the ground floor. So he ends up in the basement. And obviously, because he's changed his suit, he no longer has his ID. So he's now chased by security guards who very quickly go from he shouldn't be down in the basement, to being armed and chasing after him with guns. <laughs> um, he ends up in reception, who have the same armed guards have now surrounded Jill in reception, Yeah, which is when he drops his clipboard from in front of his chest, where obviously he's got his information retrieval badge on. Right. His officer badge, which if he'd just shown down the basement, there wouldn't have been any problems at all, because as soon as that drops down, all of the soldiers put their guns away and stand at yeah. attention, because it's yeah. like, all right, there's there's boss man in here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he takes Jill away outside, dropping bits of paper as he goes. Um, gets shouted at by some lady on the street about dropping rubbish. But I don't know if you notice, she's got the dog. And in order to stop the dog's messing, he's got tape over its backside. <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, I, I remember that. Yeah. It's just another one of these. It's just very bizarre stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that old scenes, just. Yeah. Why? But the, the drop in the paper is also a scene, a scene right at the end as well, isn't it's, it? In yeah. His, in his final, yeah, the, you this, call it a dream sequence. Yeah, there's a lot of paper that comes out of that file mm. and it is a bit of a foreshadowing of that end, yeah. end sequence with the paper that I'm sure we'll get to. So yeah, he gets to Jill's cab. He somehow gets into Jill's cab and tells her he's undying love for her, basically. Um, she kicks him out of the cab. Hmm. But he manages to somehow keep a hold of it and pop up in behind him, behind Jill rather, through the window. <laughs> so she stops and does all sorts of things to try and get rid of him and eventually nearly knocks him over, but um, goes away, I think. Um, somehow manages to get rid of him. Oh, no, no, she lets him back in. And she's got packed, she takes him all the way over to the. The refined, wherever it is, she's going. She's going to pick up a house, like a prefab-built house. They got like a refinery. Yes. It's like a, yes, yes, a yes. big. I don't know what they're doing there, but yeah. they put this massive house on the back of on the trailer. On the yeah, trailer. No, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, that's in his in, that's in the final the final scene. Yeah, as well. But, yeah. Uh, she goes off somewhere, and he tries to follow her, and she picks up a package, dodgy-looking package from some guy. <laughs> and there's a big conversation about the the package. And suddenly we're in a department store. Um, and I can't... There's a bit of a chase scene going through. But there's no reason for them being in this department store because they've just had this massive chase scene through the streets in the trailer. And then suddenly they're just in the department store mm. shopping. Mm. And it's, there's a weird jump it's there. It's like a disjoint, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very... It, it's something that I think towards the end... And we'll obviously we'll get to that final sequence, but... I wonder when that whole sequence of his dream starts kicking in. So just bear in mind the fact here that he meets Jill, this woman of his dreams, and suddenly they're just in the department store when we get towards the end. 
keep thinking mm, about uh, that. Because right, okay. I don't know whether or not the you rest of the film what... actually happens. You think it might happen? I, I think, think it might end there, as soon as he than... asks Jack for that information about Jill, because they're called Jack and Jill, <laughs> um, I don't know whether or not he gets his next customer at that point and that his dream's starting from that point. Right. Because okay, it's very, it's very point. odd that from yeah. that point, everything starts going his way with Jill to a yes. certain extent. So they, they end up in the department spot. There's <clears> he gets waylaid by his mother's friend, hmm. which means Jill gets away from him. And then there's an explosion. So he starts yelling there because he thinks that the, the package she had was obviously a bomb. Mm. which it wasn't because she throws it to him and it's a Christmas present mm. of some sort. They then all get arrested very quickly. Um, the samurai pops up again because, again, this is where why I think the dream was coming be Because the, the security guards come in and they've got Jill and he grabs Mannequin's arm to fight these security guards off and the security guards morph into the samurai that he's seen in his dreams, who was being captured mm, in jail. Mm. Um, the samurai belts him. Oh no, before the samurai can hit him, another police officer appears behind him and cracks him all the back of the head. Um, the next time we see them, they're going away in the police van, but he's not tied up. Everyone else is. They're in their bags with the little masks that they can lift up and see if Jill's inside them. Yeah. So he's going through the whole police van, lifting them up whilst another two guards are going, she's not here, she's not here, just sit down. You know, you're from information retrieval, so you're all right. Don't worry. Um, but they knock him out. Well, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Again. Have I'm going to have to watch it again no, now. For the fifteenth eh. time. I know. Um, I've never made that kind of connection. Yeah. I always presu- I, well, I'd always because he then goes from being in the police van after being knocked out by them. He just wakes up in his office. And his boss in his new office in information retrieval is saying, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? There's this check still about Butler. It's still overrun. Yeah, yeah. Your car that got destroyed needs to be sorted out. Yeah. Why hasn't this happened? Um, and Lime's there, who's his next door. The guy in the office next door who had the computers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he won't help him at all. Um, and then work starts appearing through these pipes in his office. And he's just, I'm not going to do that. He's Trucks keeps taking the. It's like a big pipe system like they have in. Um, they used to have in supermarkets where the money comes through. And yeah, yeah. Pop them up. Mean, like a vacuum. Yeah, kind of so they pop up and he pipe. opens yeah. it up. There's something in there. Yeah. But he just keeps taking them from the in, putting them straight into the out, and they go sucking back up. Yeah. Eventually, he puts a pipe between the in and the out, he and they does. just they go just around. Goes around yeah. But that then blows up the whole system inside. So there's now paper all over all the offices inside. Yeah. Again, foreshadowing that whole dropping paper when he's first yeah, caught yeah. Jill because he just leaves there and goes home to find Bob Hoskins has taken over his apartment and ripped it to shreds ripped it to shreds he's yeah. in uh, a suit of some sort because it's freezing in there because the air conditioning is now working so well because he's ripped it all the bits and it's freezing in there yeah it's, it's almost like a it's like a, a, a big, space suit isn't it or it's like a, a massive, diving suit massive or, condom isn't yeah. it because it's see through <laughs> but it's got pipes coming in the back yeah because when he goes outside he meets Buttle again or Tuttle again sorry Tuttle yeah. I keep getting Buttle and Tuttle mixed up yes, I do <laughs> two similar names and that's when we have the go on 
It's your favourite scene, it must be. Oh, wow, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you get the uh, the sewage. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but you can see Bob Boskin's suit slowly filling up with sewage. Fantastic. Yeah, it is, yeah. That's Tuttle's revenge, you see. It is, it is. I think he still says something like we're all in the shit now or something like that. <laughs> um, and Tuttle escapes from this on his zip wire again, yeah. off into the distance. And this is, like I say, this falls in this whole thing that's still being new because now Jill suddenly arrives um, and whereas before she was quite hostile to him you know you just mm. blamed her for blowing up a department store mm. and whatever else suddenly she's fallen madly in love with him he takes her off to his it's mum's a, it's a bit uh, yeah, yeah mum's house and they start kissing and whatever else very very quickly considering yeah. the hostility that was there before he decides he knows how to fix it and goes back to the Ministry of Records again to delete Jill, mm. um, which all happens very, very quickly because suddenly he's back at his mum's house again and it's the next morning and they've done whatever in his <laughs> mum's bed and she's wrapped in a little bow covering just the important bits. <laughs> um, it really... And she's got long hair as well. Right. All of a sudden, when he goes right. back to the, the house, she's nowhere in sight, but she's in his mum's room with long hair which we do find out later was wick but mm. she's there as the girl of his dreams she's in there's netting on the bed which is similar to the net that she's in when he's in the dream world yeah yeah i yeah. see i'm putting all sorts of stuff in your head here aren't yeah I? yeah no i mean um, I'd, I'd never kind of made that kind of connection before yeah as, uh, i mean obviously when you get to the end uh, the, there's the the final the final kind of scene where you know he does escape yes but he doesn't escape physically he only escapes in his in his head in his head yeah and whether whether that i hadn't considered that that had actually started a lot earlier yeah. in the film yeah um because you, you then get to he basically gets arrested in his mum's house they do the same thing of cutting a hole in the ceiling and the come yeah. down yeah and they take him away and he eventually ends up strapped to the chair in what is a, a massive they must have used some sort of chimney from a power plant or something. I think it's a cooling tower. Yeah, it's a cooling tower of some sort. Yeah, it's a power plant, definitely. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it is. We strapped a chair in the middle of it and yeah. the baby-faced masked man. <laughs> Which we know is Jack. We know is Jack because you can just tell whether he walks in that it's Jack because yeah. he's got Michael Palin's walk. Um, <laughs> just, just um, but he starts then saying that he's you know, it's it's purely professional relationship. Yeah, 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 I'm going to have to yeah. start. And he blames torturing. he blames Sam, doesn't he? he yeah. blames Sam, doesn't he? Yeah. But before Jack can do anything, Tuttle comes in, abseiling from the roof. In, with, yeah. Again, puts a bullet in Jack's head and whatever, and yeah, yeah. So if Jack never got to the point of torturing at that point, how is he switched off into his dream world at that point? When, when, when did when his dream? He, when did he start? When did he start his dream? When, he, when did he start his escape? I suppose that you could say was the start of his dream, because as we find out at the very end, he never escaped that chair. No, no, absolutely not. So, if that first incision from Jack at that point is the start of his dream, then that whole thing with Tuttle's just that's the dream from there on. But I just think it it could have may have started, started a, lot a lot earlier. Earlier, yeah. That whole thing of. Jill suddenly accepting him and I wonder if it's because of the way Gillian was going to cut it together with his dream sequence that when he's recut the way it works with that dream sequence not all being at the start it's mm. just messed up the order of things 
Don't I'm going to have to watch it again. You are, aren't you? You're going to watch it from a different point of view now, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he escapes with Tuttle. He does. Um, well, well, yeah, he escapes with Tuttle. Who then disappears in, well, swirling no, papers. Yes, he, yeah. He, papers. He, kind of, you, see, you see like one paper. Yeah. And then another paper, and then it's kind of like, then he's rolling around in paper. Yeah. And Sam goes to try and save him. And he's kind of trying to rip the paper yeah. off, and then suddenly there's just nothing there. There's no papers. So, Tuttle, yeah. yeah. as you well, well, you said, did Tuttle exist? Yeah, it's just it's papers. Definitely not in that bit. Because yeah, we pretty much know that he was. Yeah, he, he was he dreaming was, yeah. or fantasizing or whatever you want to call yeah. it at that point. Yeah, but um, it, it then just gets more and more surreal. We definitely, you can tell it's some sort of dream world now because he just yeah. goes running off and yes. he runs off into a, a church. Um, where they're having the funeral for his mother's friend. Right. Um, which is a huge pink coffin with a bow on the top, which is bizarre looking <laughs> coffin. But the maitre d' from the restaurant is the doorman at the church. Yeah. And kind of welcomes him in. He sees his mum after all that plastic surgery, and oh, she's she looks like Jill. Oh, she, oh, she's yes, Jill she with the yes. same red wig that um, yes, yes. his mum always yes. wears. Um, yeah. He then... The police run into the church. He throws the coffin at them. His mum's friend's dead, but he slops out because obviously the acid's burnt it away at nothing. He falls into the coffin and just falls forever and ends up back in the seat. Yeah. With Jack. No, he ends up on the inner house. Sorry. I was going to say, you, yeah, you, you said a slightly different no, no, yeah, he, version. The, really? The, the one I saw is he ends up in... Um, well, Jill's driving. Yeah, sorry, no, yeah, he falls through the coffin and, yeah. and falls into a, a house. Yes. Which is the house which on the is back the, of Jill's truck, exactly, sorry, yes. yes. Yeah, and then they, they live happily ever after. Well, <laughs> well, you think, because it, you see this beautiful valley, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got the, they've obviously parked and they, they've kind of nestled in this beautiful valley and blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. you've got the two faces, you've got, um, you know, Jack, Michael Palin's. Yeah. Kind of suddenly, face suddenly appears yeah. right there, and and I think it's Helpman. Is it Helpman? Yeah, Helpman in his wheelchair. Well. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, and Jack says uh, he's he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, and it's like oh dear, <laughs> and he's you know, and uh, and then you you cut and you see him, and he's kind of a bit, he just kind of glazed you know, over, glazed and over, starts and, humming Brazil. Yes, of course, the famous song. Yeah. So it, it zooms away from him down the alley. I guess you're following Michael Palin's character who's pushed walking, off. Yeah, and you kind of must be behind them but looking back at, yeah. at Sam as he starts humming Brazil and Brazil sort of comes in. Which has been playing through the whole film. Yes. It's, yes. it's the theme that's in everywhere. And that's pretty much it, which is not the Hollywood <laughs> ending. I'm sure if Gilliam hadn't got his cut... But well, that whole bit at the end just wouldn't have been there. The Hollywood ending would have been... He would have been rescued yeah. by Tuttle. And, well, that, yeah. that's, that was the ending. Was he the was ending, rescued yeah. by Tuttle, you know, and um, he met up with Jill, and yeah. then, you yeah. know, that was it. Which is a lovely happy ending, other than the yeah. weird stuff with the, the coffin and stuff that obviously is dreamlike. Yes. Um, but other than that, it would be the happy ending. It's kind of the Blade Runner ending. <laughs> Where you know he's yeah with the, he's with the got Rachel and, and the drive yeah. off into the distance into the trees yes. and nobody knows how long we've got, which yeah. obviously 
Ridley Scott then cut out of his director's cut yes, because he course. didn't like that yeah. ending. So it's a, you mentioned there was links between Blade Runner and, and this, and I guess oh, the same 100%, Hollywood yeah. ending bit. Yeah. You know, they put they put the Hollywood ending on the end of Blade Runner, whereas Gilliam left his oh. own version on the end of the Hollywood. Yeah. It's kind of like the opposite until Ridley yeah. Scott could reverse well, it's, it. It's kind of it's quite ironic, isn't it, that um, you know Gilliam made. Brazil, yeah, um, and you know he was he was basically fighting the the yeah, big yeah. executives oh, yeah. to to get the 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 film that he wanted, yeah. and you know in, in the end he won. Yeah, he won and his battle. It, it's done him well because he now pretty much always gets final cut on any film yeah, he makes. He doesn't absolutely. have to fight him though because they know that if they try fighting him, he'll just do it anyway <laughs> under the counter somehow because he he can. Yeah. What do you think of the ending then? Is it the right ending is it I th- absolutely 100% because um, he, he's free he, he, he gets there doesn't he, he but he doesn't he he's, does he just dies no surely well he doesn't well he doesn't die physically he will though because he's just strapped to a chair and he's in a, some sort of catatonic but state it, isn't I it? think it's all about it, but it's the, the, the whole film is about the, the, you find the freedom in your mind uh, right okay and and you know that's what he that's what Sam was striving for all the way through wasn't it and then yeah, finally break, break he, free in some he way, was yeah. he did yeah. break free yeah he just broke free in his own mind yeah he was he, you know physically didn't make it yeah but he did he did it's yeah. it about freedom and it is about that release and do you think if Gilliam hadn't had his final cut and had that bit stuck on the end how much would it have changed the filming oh, it would, would have been would, a travesty would so would you not? Do you not think it would be would would have become your favourite film still? You have everything else that's in there that oh, obviously that, makes oh, the film. It had that cheesy Hollywood ending where he kind of meets the girl, yeah. he gets the girl, and they all live happily. Oh no, it would have been terrible. No. It would have been terrible. I mean, it wouldn't. It you know, it wouldn't have totally destroyed the film. Yeah, but it certainly would have notched it down. Yeah, from my point of view, it is all about that ending yeah. in a way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it, because it, the whole film, the whole structure of everything that well, happens yeah. in the film is, yeah. is. Which is another question because obviously I've, I've alluded to possibly the dream starts with a little bit earlier than perhaps a little bit earlier I'd considered. What if it's all a dream? <laughs> From the first time he meets Jack, maybe that first meeting is you know. That's yeah. it. Well, I, I, that's the, the beauty of the film, yeah, though, isn't it? Because you can have these conversations, and and I suppose if if you had that whole dream sequence of the wings at the start, as you said, Gillian was going to do, yeah, would that allude to it even more? Being yeah, everything's quite a dream, possibly, yeah, absolutely, quite possibly, mm. yeah. Mm. And how do you think it holds up against our modern films? <laughs> you know, it's what it's nineteen eighty four, so it's what thirty odd years old now. How do you think it? it Meshes up. I think this, the cinematography is fantastic. Yeah. I think the acting's awesome. Um, I, I, I can't see how because I think the very reason that he didn't go for a for a futuristic mm. or, or, or or kind of you know a, a full out sci fi setting. Yeah. I think that's what what how it's it's aged perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way because yeah. it's it's aged because it's it's now yeah <laughs> well it was 1984 yeah yeah, yeah. he made it True. and and you know you, you, you do watch some kind of sci-fi films and they've aged terribly because yes. 
the the the, the technology that they're trying to get across is just totally yeah. it's just not you know yeah um, but he didn't do that no you know no. he did make that conscious decision I think yeah. not not to go down that kind of futuristic route it purposely sets itself somewhere that's an unreal future or a near future doesn't tell you when we are or or a, or a present yeah yeah you know it's the past. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Well, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and as you say, it's, you've got typewriters and you've got computers, and yeah. it's got screens, and it's got no, no, there are no screens, but it's got magnifier. It's, it's, yeah. it's that kind of. And they, they're all, all the films that they talk about, because when they're obviously in the records office, they're watching films. They're, mm. they're all old classics. They're watching Casablanca and things yeah. like that, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, it's, that's true. Actually, it's not like they're watching modern films ring out no. they've gone for a classic film because actually they could be playing a classic film at any time yes exactly doesn't really matter yeah, yeah it's massively future proofed I think yes yeah. I mean it is it's a, it's a it is a brilliant it's a masterpiece there's no doubt yeah. about it. it it's the most Gilliam Gilliam film that you could get <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no other director could have brought it to life in the way that no. Gilliam has no anyone who did it just wouldn't have looked the same at all yeah of course, yeah. I mean it's it, it is written by him and and of course Tom Stoppard, yeah. which which who is a, a rather a, a rather handy playwright. You yeah, know, it's yeah, a, oh yeah, writer. It's, it's, so it's it's you've got some really brilliant minds yeah. working on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that it's just a com- it's just a complete film. But for me, it's the the feeling. Yes. When I'm watching it. Yeah. You just get absorbed into the world, oh, and absolutely, and, and you see yourself as Sam. Yeah, I can it, see you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Ways, you just yeah. you're rooting for him, and you, you're yeah. hoping that he's gonna. Yeah, he's got that know. same. Well, I suppose he's stuck in a rut, the same as a lot of people are in their, their jobs, and yeah, he just wants to escape. Yeah, and I think absolutely. everyone's got a bit of that in them. They don't, they don't care what you do for a living; you've probably got a little <laughs> bit in you somewhere that you, yeah, you just, just want to get out. Fly, you want to yeah. fly free, don't you? Fly away, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, just just fly away, just grow wings and fly yeah. away. Yeah. that's yeah. what he was thinking all the time big big final question oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> can you sell this film to me in about 30 seconds give me a reason to want to watch it wow <laughs> is that a no that's way? it no 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 wow <laughs> wow just wow <laughs> just wow fair enough um, um, right if you if you want a film if you want a film that makes you question your very existence. If you want a film where you can chuckle and then you can marvel at the world that Gilliam's created, then you should watch this film. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Richard. <laughs> it's been a really pleasure, good. Gav. Certain 
Thank you once again, Richard, for that chat about Brazil. And thank you once again to everybody who is still listening at this point. Okay, next week is the first of a two-part episode. I will be talking to James and Matt from the Journey Through Sci-Fi podcast about their two favourite films, or James's favourite film, Planet of the Apes, and Matt's favourite film, Wall-E. Here's James's trailer for Planet of the Apes. Iconic sci-fi, good for all ages, a mixture of ethical and societal commentary and straight-up classic action, one of the best endings in cinema history, lots of apes. That is Planet of the Apes. Thank you very much for that, James. Uh, if you want to catch up with James and Matt, their podcast is the Journey Through Sci-Fi podcast. Thank you once again for listening. Bye-bye for now. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com. 